Hello and welcome to Middle Church Online. I'm Reverend Natalie. We are so glad that you've chosen to worship with us. Thank you for coming. Um, it is a full worship today, so let's get right into it. Um, even though the summer doesn't seem to be summering, um, we are bringing our own summer to this worship. So if you will take a deep centering breath with me. Come, let us worship God. today. It has been a wonderful day, a busy day. John and I drove from one city to the next. We had conversations with friends who are teaching us about Black folks' religion in the South. We set up our next appointments. But then tonight, we stopped and we watched a movie and we had dinner and we're already in our bathrobes. And when I get through talking to you, I'm going to wash my face and brush my teeth and go to sleep. Why? Because I'm finished. I did what I had to do and it was enough. Today's text teaches us about how much Jesus cares that people have enough. He stops and he feeds a multitude of people to make sure that they have enough to survive on. But another one of Jesus's messages is that we are enough. I am enough, not because of what I do, not because of what I accomplish, not because of grades I get or things I went on the playground or how fast I can run or how high I can jump. I'm enough because God made me and loves me. And you, friend, you're enough too. So when you get ready to wash your face and brush your teeth at night or in the morning, I want you to say in the mirror, God wants us to have enough, all of us to have enough, and 
to remember that each of us is enough because we're beloved, because we're cherished, and because God made us wonderfully and awesomely in God's image. On that, I will go to sleep, and I hope you will too. Amen. family. It's Reverend Daryl. I use he, him pronouns. I'm an executive minister here at Middle, and I am so, so excited to welcome you in the church with us this morning. So I want to come by real quick to tell you about a few amazing things we have going on this summer to keep you engaged and connected with us. First and foremost, today, be sure to join us for the first of three part summer mixers today at Tompkins Square Park, where you will in fact be hosted by Reverend Amanda from two to four. You wanna be sure to meet her at the north side of the park. Again, two to four, Tompkins Square Park, the first of three summer middle mixers. You do not want to miss that. Also, as part of our Freedom Lab at Middle Church, we are offering a Freedom Summer, if you will, a Freedom School, where we are inviting our youth and our children to come and participate with us this August. All right, youth are gonna be gathering the week of August 2nd, and our children the week of August 23rd. Our time with them is going to focus on art, it's going to focus on activism, it's going to focus on faith, and it's going to focus on growing them to be some good, robust, ethical leaders. So if you want more information about these, head to our website at middlechurch.org and sign up for these free, you heard that right, free offerings for your youth and children this summer. And lastly, as we move through the summer, our schedules are constantly evolving. Many of our schedules are looking different, but we want to be sure to remember that we are a justice-loving, caring community rising to be who God is calling us to be in this moment. And so if you have a prayer concern or if you are looking to speak to a pastor during this time, head to our online prayer portal and be in touch with us there. Again, middlechurch.org, online prayer portal, Contact us there so a pastor or a minister on staff can get back in touch with you. And one of the ways that we can stay in touch with one another in this season is by praying for each other. You don't have to always go to a minister to pray. You are empowered to pray exactly where you are. You are able to pray with the people who are positioned around you. And we are going to take this time to pray together as community because that is how we live out our call to be a justice-loving, caring community and how we rise together. And so if you would take a moment to just center yourselves wherever you might be, maybe touch the hand of somebody who is sitting next to you, get some 
comfort in your back. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. And so, God, we give you thanks for this wonderful Sunday that you have made for us. Again, another day where we are called together to be church, to be community with one another. Where we are called together because where you where you, because you said in your word where two or three are gathered in your name, you are in fact there in the midst. And so, God, although we are spread out across uh, states, across cities, across time zones, across continents, two or three of us are still gathered nonetheless. And so, therefore, we know you are with us in this place today. And for that, we give you thanks. And we also pray, God, because there are many folks coming into this place today with heavy hearts, with burdened shoulders, with worries and concerns, pains in their bodies, pains in their minds. And so, God, we come also today into this place that we might cast our cares and our burdens on you. And in exchange, we might take up your yoke, which is easy and your burden, which is light. Father, we ask that you would put your hand of grace on any person who is in need of a loving touch. Heavenly Mother, we pray that you would wrap those close to you who are in need of a, of, of a tight and a loving embrace. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would rain yourself down wherever we might find ourselves, that we might get a fresh anointing of some grace that we might learn of you in ways we haven't learned of you before, that we might experience you in ways that we have yet to experience you. And we just want to thank you that in this place, we know that not only are we connected to you, but we get to be connected in fellowship and community with one another. All of us coming with our various stories, our various backgrounds, to all be of one body which is your church. And so I invite you now to pray with me the Lord's Prayer. And you will see an inclusive version written on the screen here. But feel free to either use that version or to use whatever, whichever words resonate most closely with your spirit. Our creator who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the reign, for yours is the power, for yours is the glory forever and ever. And let the church say together, Amen. Thank you, God, for putting me here with the middle group. I'm so grateful to be here, and I believe that we'll be together again, person to person. I want to say love and peace to all of the 
middle community and to this new adventures group and in every lang in several languages which i'm holding up peace and love to all of you peace uncle lars loves you let's get on with this revolution middle church i miss all of you it's good to know you're out there good afternoon middle church may peace be with you today and always may god bless and keep you I'll be glad when we get back together again at church. I love you. May the peace of God be with you and Middle Church community and family. I look forward to grasping your hand and squeezing it in friendship. Peace be with you. Hello, all you lovely people that I am missing so much. And I'm sending each of you love and blessings as we live in these challenging times. And I know many of you are actively participating. Godspeed. See you soon. How I miss my Middle Church family. I'm so sorry that I can't see you and be with you face to face, but I know that you're there and I feel you around me, and I send you all my love and all my prayers until we can be together again. My loving friends at Middle, I had no idea how much I would need you once I became a participant. Now, it fills a wonderful place in my life. So I am grateful for all of you. From a distance we Oh 
It's the love of loves. It's the heart of every man. It's the hope of hopes. It's the love of loves. It's the heart of Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to be in worship together. Today's scripture comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. Hear now a written word from the Lord. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place and the hour is now very late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But Jesus answered them, you give them something to eat. They said to him, are we to go and buy with our 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said, no. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they had found out, they said, well, we have five loaves and two fish. Then he ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fists, he looked up to heaven and blessed, blessed it and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all and all ate and were filled. And then they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. Those who had eaten the loaves numbered 5,000. This is the written word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. My grandmother, Mary Beth Porter Hambrick, died early Friday morning, passing peacefully in her sleep around 1 a.m. She and her wonderful caretaker, Martha, tune in to Middle Church on Sundays from her assisted living home in Georgetown, Kentucky. She was looking forward to hearing me preach this Sunday, and I am deeply grieving her loss. After telling my kids the news of her passing, ever poignant Zane remarked, well, you're going to have a hard time concentrating on writing that sermon now, aren't you, Mom? He's never lied, except that I'm a firm believer that the text of our lives must inform our theologies, my being present to my grandmother's death in my grief, reflection, 
asking questions anew about the purpose of life? Am I reckoning with the transient nature of our humanity and what really matters? I am being present to the holy task of preaching, which at its best should ask those same questions too. So here I am at the bedside of death with a text about food. And here we are at the bedside of a world telling us that voting rights don't matter, billionaires should fly to space, with an ocean literally on fire and full of questions about hybrid worship and where we're gonna be in the fall. What else would you add? What's the text of your life today? Name it, bring it. God cares about it. And being honest about where you are and what you're holding and what we're holding is how we preach together. So now let's go back to that biblical test, text, that story of the fishes and the loaves of the crowd and of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Raise your hand if that's a story that you heard growing up. Type in the chat, raise your hand. I grew up in the church and this most certainly was one of the stories on repeat. But the way I learned this story needs to be re-examined. Part of being human is evolving, being open to change, growing intentional lenses with which to critique and read the world and the word. A critical liberation and intersectional read of this well-known parable teaches us new and important insights. The first being that this is not some far-fetched story about the magical multiplication of something out of nothing, but rather a story that demonstrates that the miracle was the crowd, the people, that the people had among them what was needed, actually more than what was needed. Remember, there were 12 leftover baskets. I had a seminary professor who always said, either everything in life is a miracle or nothing is. So if there is a miracle here, y'all, the miracle is that our foundation is one of abundance rather than scarcity, and that our foundation is us. When we push this story to the far-flung realm of magic, we remove the need for us to see ourselves in it. We fall short of understanding what it means to do life together. It allows us to be a little lazy, to live our lives waiting for the almighty, the powerful, the magician to show up and provide. Now, I'm not saying that God isn't powerful. God most certainly is. And, and we are the miracle. We are the everyday showing up. We are the crowd that has it. We have among us what we need to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to house the unhoused, to love the trans child, to teach white children critical race theory. Just another important lens we need to apply. We have among us what we need to save our planet from ecological devastation. We have among us the resources to care for and protect our communities without police. We have among us what we need. We are the miracles. When we look inside ourselves, go deep in our pockets and give. The second thing a critical reading of this story helps us see is who wasn't being counted. I was taught, and we literally read in the gospels that there were 5,000 men in the crowd. What's true, you all, is that there were likely more like 15,000 people. But you know who didn't count, who wasn't counted, who didn't make it in the book, in the records? The women and children. Megan McKenna suggests in her book, Not Counting Women and Children, that the ratio of women and children to adult men that day would have been about five or six to one. So the crowd was a whole lot bigger than 5,000. She also suggests that it's likely that women 
not surprisingly, were the ones who would have taken care to pack provisions in baskets, provisions like bread and fish when families set out to follow Jesus. So let's get this straight. Not counted, not recorded, but had the sacks. Let's let that sink in. And let's not think that we've evolved from ignoring women and children today. Globally, women perform 76% of total hours of unpaid care work, more than three times as many as men. And care, Ai-jin Poo reminds us, is fundamental, fundamental to enabling economic activity. Isn't that ironic? By the year 2030, child care and elder care jobs will be our economy's single largest occupation. But it has never been, never been valued in our social or political discourse because women, notably women of color, do most of this work. And we're not seeing children right now because we're acting like COVID's completely over when there is no child under the age of 12 who's even had the opportunity to get a vaccine. We relegate children to quiet corners during worship or to the way back or upstairs or behind here. And we fail to see the overqualified women all around the meeting table still today. Didn't count them, didn't see them, and yet they had it with them. When we start rereading the texts all around us, we're going to start noticing who we're not counting. We're going to start noticing what we both collectively and individually already have. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. I was four weeks postpartum. Four weeks. If you've ever given birth, remember your body. Maybe you're there right now. It's all kind of out of whack. Things are moving around. If you nursed, you've got milk just coming out whenever it wants. My good friend Robert was marrying Pete. Of course I would be in the wedding. Of course I would wear a fabulous backless dress. Of course I would have no idea how to keep the milk from coming out while being in a wedding party all day with a four week old at home and a backless dress on. But I make it through the ceremony and to the reception site. I'm so excited. I've got my trusty pump in hand and it's really time to pump. Where's an outlet? I start looking frantically all over the space. I'm asking people, no answers, no outlets. I go into the kitchen. Hi, can I please sit somewhere? I really need to plug in and pump like now. Oh, I'm so sorry. There's no outlets here. What? What do you mean? This is an event venue, right? What do you mean there's no outlets? Yeah, but it's an empty space. We brought in everything ready to go. I'm sorry, there's no outlets. I hear the bridal party beginning to be called outside the kitchen door. I'm literally going to be spraying milk all over this place while walking in front of hundreds of people. I'm thinking to myself in horror. Has anyone seen Amanda? I hear the mother of one of the grooms asking. Then a tap on my shoulder. I turn around a little horrified, but to my surprise, it was another woman, part of the kitchen staff. And she looks me in the eye and she quietly says, I'm pumping too. And I've got a battery operated pump. Follow me. When I tell you all that at that moment, she fed the 15,000, I am not lying. So friends, if we have all that we need, why is it still so hard? Why is it still not working? Why do we still act like there's just one pie from which to teach and learn and live and love? Why are there so many inequalities? Why did we add 118 million people who are now chronically hungry during the pandemic while global billionaires added 4 trillion to their wealth during the same pandemic? 
The cost to end world hunger, by the way, 330 billion is what billionaires make in one month. Why, why, why are we restricting voting rights when it seems pretty sane that every person should get to vote? Why are we so divided politically, religiously, and practically every way if we have all that we need among us? It's because we need a fundamental mindset shift. Just because we have all this among us doesn't mean we act like we know how to live. It's hard to believe that we have it, especially in a society that leads with the narrative of scarcity rather than abundance. If you say black lives matter, then that means that my life doesn't matter. If you say trans lives matter, then that means that my life doesn't matter. That's not how it works in a society based on enough. And so the third lesson I want to pull from today's parable is one that Jesus teaches quite plainly as he challenges and subverts prevailing societal norms. Denise Reynolds points out that the disciples speak in terms of money. Remember, they said to Jesus, okay, so we have 200 denarii. We'll go buy some bread for all these people to eat. Let's see how far it goes. But Jesus never mentions money. In fact, he totally disassociates himself from it. He rejects the inherent inequality of that system and chooses a more just system, the system of gift. Denise Reynolds puts that nicely. Jesus advocates the Deuteronomic Code's system of the gift. The text of Deuteronomy 12 through 26 regulates human relations and sets out standards by which people should treat each other. The possibility of living in peace can only be realized when people institute reciprocal giving in all aspects of life. We're not there because we aren't even starting from the right place. In a society dominated by those who have economic and political power, we can have bread only for money. But there is another way. We can have bread with gift, with care, with intention, with sharing, with believing, with seeing each other as assets, with seeing ourselves as assets. Now, understanding the economic systems and all systems, capitalism, white supremacy, ableism, heteronormativity, Christian nationalism, the patriarchy, we could keep going. Understanding all these systems of which we are a part and our place within them is a necessary step in overcoming systemic injustice and inequality. And we've got to take that step. Let's start imagining an entire different way of orienting and sustaining our lives. One that's not based on denarii. Can we totally reject that? Jesus did. Let's orient our lives rather on gift, on care and community and the foundation that we have within each other enough. I was at a community day with Henry Street Settlement yesterday. It was beautiful. Hundreds of kids very COVID safe, and somebody brings a bunch of pizzas. Now my white colonized mindset still teeters into scarcity pretty often and starts looking nervously around counting the kids. Is there gonna be enough? What are we gonna do? Uh, should I wait? Of course there will be enough. Because if there isn't, don't you think somebody's gonna order some more pizza? Don't you think somebody's gonna pull a snack out of their purse? There is always enough. 
We have to constantly reorder our minds, decolonize violent ways white supremacy and capitalism have taught us to think. It is daily work for me. Where do you see yourself in this story? As having something to give or as hungry? Both are honorable and part of the way we live is believing that when we're hungry, somebody is gonna have something for us. And the reverse, that when we have something to give, we give it. And in that way, we are all hungry and gift givers at the same time. Our hunger becomes gift because it takes both to create a world where everybody is free, where everybody has enough. Mariam Kaba says it better. There will be no magical day of liberation that we do not make. There will be no magical day of liberation that we do not make. Women, men, children, non-binary, gender non-conforming people, we are all here. We brought the snacks. We have the stuff we need. Let's start seeing each other and believing this to be true. Amen. I'm blessed with the task of doing our Join the Movement. This is the part of our service where we invite numerous members of our community connected to us in so many different ways to tell us their story, tell us how they got connected to our church, tell us what their vision for our church might be as we move and, and, and rise through this, through, this, through this fire moment that we find ourselves in. And so I wanted to share with you a little bit today about my own coming to this movement moment, if you will, being called to come and lead this church days. Can I say that again? Days before the fire devastated our building. But one of the things that committed me to wanting to continue in this call was the way in which our church, I can say that now, our church, has committed ourselves to the to the to the to the gospel work of 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 not only just justice in the world but also how we help people build up how we help people persevere how we help people rise the way in which our church is particularly interested in the building up and the rising of our youth and our children so that they might be ethical leaders that they might be able to go out and in the words of St. Francis Assisi of a CC rather, to preach the gospel, but when necessary, use words. I love that quote. Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. That is not so much about what we say, but how we live, how we walk, where we walk, who we walk with. That is the epitome of what it means to do gospel work. And so there are so many ways in which you can continue to support this work 
There's so many ways we need support in this work. And it's not just that people decide to become a new member. That's not the only thing that is needed to, to join this movement, to, to support this work. But how are we investing? How are we stewarding the gifts that we have been given, the treasures that we have been blessed with? How are we stewarding our time? How are we stewarding and leveraging our talents that we might be able to come up and support one another in our community? And we just want to invite you to continue to think about, think about how are you going to be good stewards of the gifts that God has blessed us with? And make no mistake, church, our children and youth are a gift that God has blessed us with. So let us be mindful of the ways in which we are stewarding those gifts, caring for those gifts, loving those gifts that we might continue to move forward and rise, not only in this moment, but in the moments to come, because guess what? Our future is in the hands of our youth and our children. So join this movement, help us rise, help our children.
Let us pray. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, thank you, Lord, for amazing grace. In this sweet hour of prayer, what a friend we have in Jesus. Gather us in, God of the ages. Praise God from whom all blessings flow, for great is your faithfulness. Amen.
Great is thy faithfulness indeed. I brought the real preachers for the benediction. What a wonderful day to worship together. If you're in New York, a reminder to come see us. We're ready to play in Tompkins Square Park. And if you are one of our members that's not in New York, join us in the chat and choose so we can be there together. Family, the things that life throws at us are welcome here. The people we're missing, our hopes, our dreams, our struggles, they're welcome in this place because God cares about it all. So much that God shows us a better way to live, a way that tells us that we have enough. Can we say that? We, we have, have enough. enough. Go from this place now knowing that we have enough. Go knowing that when you need, you will be full. Go knowing that we see you and we count you here because God always sees and always counts. Amen.